This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where we start out with some happy news for a change. The governor and the first lady have a brand new baby girl, but Ron DeSantis was not in the delivery room because of, you guessed it, coronavirus. The Florida Department of Education has extended school closures through at least May 1st due to the coronavirus pandemic. The news came during a conference call Monday. The news was not unexpected. By the way, Florida now has confirmed 5,704 cases of coronavirus, including 71 fatalities. The minister of a Hillsborough County church is facing criminal charges for holding services where hundreds of people attended in person, violating common sense and health regulations during a pandemic. A cruise ship loaded with sick passengers and four dead bodies is headed for Broward County. The governor doesn't want them to unload there. The head of Florida's emergency management agency says the hunt for N95 masks to protect health care workers is fraught with fraud and price gouging. He says it's more like a Ponzi scheme. The head of the Florida branch of the AARP is asking state officials to explain why they will not release the names of nursing homes and ALFs that have confirmed cases of coronavirus. The governor is still refusing to issue a statewide lockdown because of the virus, but he is joining the mayors of four South Florida counties that have launched a new program called Safer at Home. It's kind of like a lockdown, but without the curfews, and it's the subject of our deep dive today. We'll also have your calendar of political events and check in with Florida Man, who does his best to spread fear and panic in the midst of a pandemic. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, March 31st. The pastor of a Hillsborough County church who ignored social distancing rules and bussed hundreds of people to two separate services on Sunday is now charged with unlawful assembly and violation of public safety rules. Hillsborough County Sheriff Chad Cronister says he brought charges after the pastor and his legal team refused to cancel services. The Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office has been in contact with leaders at the River of Tampa Bay Church. We received an anonymous tip that Pastor Dr. Ronald Howard Brown refused request to temporarily stop holding large gatherings at his church. And instead, he was encouraging his large congregation to meet at his church. Pastor Howard Brown's actions were a direct violation of Executive Order 20-5, which went into effect on March 20th, limiting gatherings, including faith-based gatherings, to less than 10 people. He was also violating a safer at home order, which went into effect on March 27th, advising Hillsborough County residents to remain in their homes as much as possible to create greater social distancing and reduce the spread of COVID-19. On Friday and again on Sunday, Sheriff's Office personnel and legal staff spoke with attorneys representing the church in an attempt to educate them on the dangerous environment they are creating for their members, our community, and explain why they were in violation of these orders. Additionally, members of our command staff personally went to the church to attempt to speak with Pastor Howard Brown, who did not make himself available, but was advised by church leaders and his legal staff that they were once again refusing to cancel the Sunday evening church service. His reckless disregard for human life put hundreds of people in his congregation at risk and thousands of residents who may interact with them this week in danger. The pastor claims this is a violation of his First Amendment rights, but Hillsborough State Attorney Andrew Warren says public safety is the priority right now. Putting your parishioners at risk in a time of an emergency like this is not only reckless, 
but it's illegal. If you're violating the Safer at Home order, law enforcement is going to direct you to stop. And the order is clear that it's intended to promote compliance, not punish noncompliance. But where people are refusing to obey law enforcement in this regard, you risk being arrested and prosecuted. Leaders from our faith-based community across this country have embraced the importance of social distancing. They've encouraged their congregations to practice social distancing for their own health and to slow the spread of COVID-19. Lastly, I'd remind the good pastor of Mark 12:31, which says there's no more important commandment than to love thy neighbor as thyself. Loving your neighbors is protecting them, not jeopardizing their health by exposing them to this deadly virus. So what happens next Sunday if large crowds return for services at the River at Tampa Bay Church in Riverview? Sheriff Chronister says that's all on the pastor. We're hoping that this serves as a deterrent. Uh, Shame on this pastor, their legal staff, and the leaders of this church for forcing us to do our job. That's not what we wanted to do during a declared state of emergency. We are hopeful that this will be a wake-up call for him, his legal staff, and his entire leadership at the church. We're also hoping that the congregation realizes the important the importance of reducing the spread of this virus and stays at home and doesn't get in a in a, a bus filled with a lot of people to go to service i hold the pastor responsible you know i think as the shepherd the flock will follow them they have a lot of faith in these great dire times of need it's a shame that someone has taken advantage of this for whatever reason i just don't understand it The only reason I can see is it's a reckless reason to put your parishioners in jeopardy. By the way, Sheriff Cronister says the church already has all the gear they need to put services on the Internet and on television, but they chose not to do so. A Holland America cruise ship with coronavirus casualties on board is headed for Port Everglades, but the governor doesn't want them dumping sick people in the heart of Florida's outbreak. Four of the elderly passengers on board the Zadam are dead. Almost 200 passengers and crew have reported flu-like symptoms. Another issue that we're monitoring is the cruise ship um, coming through the Panama Canal. You know, we think it's um, a mistake to be putting people into southern Florida right now, given what we're dealing with. So we would like to have medical personnel simply dispatched to that ship, um, and the cruise lines can hopefully arrange for that, tend to folks who, who may need medical attention. You know, but I think these are, a lot of these are foreign nationals, and we want to make sure we have the beds available for the folks here in southern Florida. We've talked to the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard, I don't think, wants them to come in. I've talked to the White House about it and we don't want it to come in. And here's the issue. We met with all the cruise ship people several weeks ago and said, look, guys, you know, and Vice President was basically like, I'm not saying we're going to totally shut you down, but if you can't operate safely, and they said, no, they were going to take take uh, uh, things. So here's a situation where there's nothing about Florida where this ship should actually, that's just a convenient place. The problem is, is then that takes resources away from the folks in South Florida. And yes, we do have available beds, but I don't want to be a situation where those beds could have gone to Floridians. So I think the, the thing is they need to get medical care out on the ship and they can work with some of the folks in, in D.C. or whoever, get it out there, administer the care to the folks there. 
that averts, I think, which would potentially be a big, big problem. And, um, you know, we have enough to deal with with our folks in Florida. Uh, we've got 22, almost 22 million people, just this area, heavily populated. Um, these guys are working around the clock to support those folks. Um, having people from other states flee to here or have a cruise ship come in, it creates problems, and we want to focus on Floridians. There are more than 5,700 confirmed cases of coronavirus in Florida right now, and many of the first responders treating these patients are starting to test positive themselves. So the governor has signed an emergency order allowing retirees to get back into the fight. There's a lot of concern about manpower, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's healthcare personnel. You could have somebody that gets exposed to the virus and they have to self-isolate, their contacts have to self-isolate. That creates a potential manpower uh, issue. So I'm also going to sign an executive order today to allow recently retired law enforcement and healthcare personnel to immediately return to the workforce to join the fight against COVID-19. Current law in Florida prohibits personnel that retire from the state workforce from returning to work for six months from the date of retirement. I will suspend that prohibition. Uh, we need to have folks who are willing to come return to service. DeSantis was speaking in Miami Gardens at a time when most men would be home with their partner. You see, First Lady Casey DeSantis just gave birth to their third child. Her name is Mamie. She weighs in at seven pounds, four ounces. But the governor was not in the delivery room because of the virus. He didn't want to use up any of the personal protective equipment that is in such short supply for health care workers. It's surreal being in a hospital during this time. And uh, as I said, I did not go into the delivery room because of the, the, I didn't want to burn PPE. It was a you know, kind of sad thing, but my wife and I both felt that was the right thing to do uh, because really there's going to be people that need it more than us. Um, and then to um, you know have a third, uh, she was the smallest of the bunch. But, you know, it's like when my daughter was first born, my older one, it was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen. And then my son, he's a cute kid. But I'll tell you what, this one is really, really cute. And so we're really, and she's sleeping very well. And this is a tip for parents. My son's too. We, this wasn't in existence when he was even born. It's a technology. There's a thing called the snoo bassinet. And you put the baby in there, and there's sensors and microphones in the bassinet. And so if the baby starts to cry, it logs it, and then it tries to figure out how you do noise, movement, what do you do to soothe the baby. Then the information goes to my wife's smartphone, and you see it. So last night, uh, we put Mamie in the bassinet, and uh, she started crying, and then the thing just started doing all this stuff. And guess what? She didn't make a peep all night. So the snoo... Uh, look, if one night's any indication, it is definitely worth your money if you're a young parent and you care about your sleep. Before you young parents rush out to order one of these bassinets, be sure to check the price tag. It starts at about a thousand bucks. If you're wondering if the governor is being a bit of a drama queen by skipping the birth to save on protective gear, consider this. Jared Moskowitz at the Division of Emergency Management says they still cannot get enough of those N95 masks that offer the best protection from coronavirus. The N95 private market right now is like a Ponzi scheme. Uh, I have a boiler room literally set up in our EOC, and all day long we try to find these masks. We're talking to brokers, we're talking distributors, we're talking to medical salespeople. We're chasing down warehouses only to get there to find out that they're empty. We're being told these uh, supplies are on planes only to see that they're phantom planes chasing ghosts when they don't appear on FlightAware. Uh, we're constantly engaging in bidding wars, being asked to wire money to accounts that were set up that very same day with email addresses uh, that were created only a couple of days ago. Uh, 
I talked to fellow emergency managers around this country, and they are experiencing the very same thing in the private market dealing with these N95 masks. And so, you know, I, I appeal to 3M and the other manufacturers. Uh, my EOC is in Tallahassee. The warehouse is in Orlando. And I ask that you sell the division and our hospitals uh, and our first responders these masks directly at market price, and you cut out your distributors and you cut out the brokers. Uh, the governor is going to continue to do everything we can to make sure that our healthcare professionals and our first responders have the PPE that they need. We will chase down every lead. We will spend whatever it costs. But these manufacturers must help us do the right thing. Lives are on the line. Uh, and that's what's happening in the private market when it comes to N95s. And so, you know, I want to, again, thank FEMA and HHS for really stepping up and helping fill those gaps. Uh, we're, we've really turned the page on other issues with PPE, dealing with gowns and gloves and face shields and goggles. But on the N95 mask issue, uh, right now there's madness uh, in the market. The Florida director of the American Association for Retired Persons is asking state officials to explain why they refuse to release the names of nursing homes and adult living facilities where residents have tested positive for COVID-19. News Service of Florida reports that Jeff Johnson sent a letter to Agency for Healthcare Administration Secretary Mary Mayhew asking her to explain exactly which federal rule or regulation she's using to justify withholding the names of those facilities, where 66 long-term care residents have tested positive for the disease. Next up on Sunrise, a deep dive on a new program in South Florida to try to convince people to stay home during the pandemic. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. Governor Ron DeSantis joins the mayors of Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, and Monroe counties to announce a new program encouraging people to stay at home during the pandemic. It's been a great partnership to work uh, with Miami-Dade as well as Broward and Palm Beach and, and Monroe counties. And um, today, uh, we have all four counties united in a common purpose. People from South Florida know it's not always easy to do, uh, but we're all here today to say that we want to win the fight against COVID-19. And so what I'm going to be doing is signing an executive order uh, that codifies a common set of rules regarding safer at home for Southeast Florida. Uh, this will build off what Mayor Jimenez has already done and gets all four counties operating under the same sheet of music. And the reason why this is important is because uh, we have 60% of the cases in the state of Florida are in Southeast Florida. Uh, you have a community here that is our most densely populated part of the state. You have a community here at Miami International that receives a lot of international travel, certainly has over the, the last few months. Uh, then you have a lot of interaction between South Florida and New York City. Uh, and so that has provide, provided more seeds uh, to have uh, the virus in Southeast Florida. And so with this order and what these counties have, have already done, you know, we're going guns blazing, doing all that we can uh, to be able to slow the spread uh, of COVID-19. And I will say, I think a lot of the actions that you've seen uh, with the mayor and with Broward particularly, um, you know, I think some of these have been effective. And I think you'll see that um, as we get going over the next um, a couple of, a couple of uh, days and, and weeks. Uh, safer at home uh, is the right move for southern southeast Florida. 
this is the time to, to do the right thing. Listen to all your local officials. Um, we do this um, until uh, the, the, the middle of May, and then, then we'll see where we're at. But I think a lot of the stuff that's been done has been helpful. I think this will continue to be helpful. And hopefully, uh, once we get this thing under control, then we can go back and, and start enjoying life uh, the, the way we used to. Uh, so I want to thank Monroe County. Miami-Dade Mayor Carlos Jimenez says they want everyone to behave as if they already have the virus because that's the best way to beat it. Uh, this is a prolonged health crisis and to eradicate this virus will take many weeks, maybe even months. That's why the leaders of our four great South Florida counties agree that the key message to our residents must that we must take personal responsibility and that they should stay at home as much as possible. We must act like we're all carrying the virus and stay safer at home. That's the key message. Safer at home, social distancing. All four counties agree that we are safer at home. That's the best way to avoid getting infected. And when you have to go out to get food, medicines, or other necessities, or you're working in an essential or critical business, you must practice social distancing. We've already issued the order. Uh, we will close essential businesses. If they don't take uh, social distancing seriously, we'll shut you down. South Florida is the epicenter of Florida's coronavirus pandemic, but Broward Mayor Dale Hollis believes it's bringing out the best in people. We're facing unprecedented times with this fight against the coronavirus, COVID-19. And it's bringing the best out in many of us. This collaborative effort that is being undertaken here today with Miami-Dade, Palm Beach, and Monroe County didn't start here today. It's been ongoing for some time. Our staff, our administrators have been working together for us to deal with this together. We're truly working as a unit here in South Florida. I, I, again, I beg everyone to heed the warning of the CDC and of the health providers that you should practice social distancing, practice preventative measures of uh, washing your hands often. It sounds ad nauseum that we're talking about this continual, but that's how we fight this virus. And together, we're certainly stronger. I thank you all for, for your support, Governor, and for the other counties for joining force together so we face this virus and beat it. Palm Beach County Mayor Dave Kerner says the key to making this work is social distancing, keeping at least six feet away from other people. And he says you owe it to the first responders. As you look behind us and you look throughout this press conference, there is social distance. There is a recognition of the fierceness of this virus and that the way for us to defeat it as Americans is to come together. And it's going to get more difficult over time. And it will become frustrating, and it will become an inconvenience, and it will one that we want to question validity of. I want you to think about every time you abide by those regulations and guidelines and orders from your local officials and from our governor and from our president. It's not just an investment in the safety of your family and of your colleagues and of your neighbors, but it's an investment in the safety and welfare of our first responders, our police officers, our firefighters, our health care workers, the men and women who have the same daily fears and risks and concerns that you have when they're at home, but then they go back into society and they fight on our behalf. So every time you ask, should I do this today? Should I abide? Should I believe in the strategy? Don't just do it for your community. Do it for the men and women in uniform and in the healthcare profession that keep us safe. Monroe County Mayor Heather Carruthers says they're already turning tourists away, and the Safer at Home program is a logical extension of those precautions. Southeast Florida is an extremely diverse community, and each one of our communities has its own character. So we're all going to respond slightly differently to this, but within the same rubric that we're all trying to do, which is to 
let people know that you are safer at home. In the Keys, of course, uh, uh, a while ago, we did something that we hate doing, and that's telling our visitors that it's time for you to stay home. Reschedule your trip for another time. Our hotels are closed, uh, even our marinas to, to boaters seeking uh, solace for a, a day or two. Any short-term stays are, are simply, this is not the time to do it. We have a checkpoint so that we can remind people who are coming to the Keys that if you don't live in the Keys or you don't work in the Keys, this is the time for you to stay home. It's safer at home. So that's what we're asking you to do. Just go out for the essentials, whether it's food or exercise or to walk the dog or to get medicine. And when you do go out, stay six feet away from the people closest to you. Wash your hands, wipe down surfaces. Sounds simple, but this is how we're gonna stop this virus. We're a very resilient community down here in Southeast Florida, and I think we can set an example for the whole nation in how we're coming together to fight this. We're gonna get through this together, and we're gonna be stronger together. So stay at home, be safe, love your families, and take care of each other. But is safe at home enough when it only includes four counties? State Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez of Miami says, quote, in the absence of a statewide order, a regional safer at home order is welcome to bring much needed uniformity. However, no corner of our state is immune and a piecemeal patchwork approach will not cut it. Dozens of local governments have already issued those orders, but without a statewide shutdown, Senator Gary Farmer of Broward County says the virus will continue to spread. Farmer says a statewide shutdown of non-essential businesses and a stay-at-home order will save countless lives along with the state economy. And he says the quicker we act, the quicker the recovery. Your calendar of political events starts with the State Elections Canvassing Commission meeting at 9. They'll be certifying results of the March 17th primary won by Donald Trump and Joe Biden. The Florida Public Service Commission meets at 9.30. One of the items on their agenda is creation of an additional area code in the Tampa area because 813 is being used up. Current customers would keep the 813 area code and their current numbers, but new customers and additional lines, they would get the new area code. Also, and this is a big pain, all local calls in the area would require 10-digit dialing. The Criminal Justice Standards and Training Commission is scheduled to hold a conference call at 10. The State Investment Advisory Council meets online at 1. And the State Consumer Health Information and Policy Advisory Group will also meet online at 1 o'clock. And it's time once again for the adventures of Florida Man, who has found new ways to get busted during a pandemic. The Jacksonville Sheriff's Office has arrested a Florida man for using a hoax weapon of mass destruction after he sprayed a substance labeled COVID-19 on the doors and entrance of a Jacksonville business. Deputies say 50-year-old David White told employees and patrons of the business they were now infected after he sprayed the substance. The Sheriff's Intel Unit teamed up with the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force to investigate and they identify White as their primary suspect. The business took precautionary measures to sanitize the areas where he allegedly sprayed the substance. And a Florida man is accused of deliberately coughing on a deputy and telling him he has COVID-19. The Martin County Sheriff's Office says 23-year-old Christian Perez had been stopped for reckless driving when he claimed to have the disease caused by coronavirus. The officer gave Perez a protective mask to cover his mouth, but at one point he removed it and began intentionally coughing toward the officer. Perez was arrested for threatening and assaulting an officer and also charges of driving under the influence and driving without a license. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.